over the you know past couple of years, I finished this book called Inflamed, uh, Deep Medicine and the Anatomy of Injustice. That's like my highest recommendation. It's just talking about all these health outcomes of all these like physical experiences and these uh, terrains that our folks are, you know, our friends experiencing homelessness here in Wilmington have to navigate all the time. Always by highways, always re- near pollution, uh, always exposed to violence. Uh, more, more often than not, the, you know, the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators of violence. And, um, yeah, and then I have to wonder, like, what, what, what do we do that really works? Comrades and friends, hello. So, we're probably going to get into it pretty deep tonight. But before we do, I just want to do a little, a couple little plugs here. Number one, we haven't done this plug in a while, but we want to thank our friends at Two Stones Brewery and my, my good friend Greg. Uh, I have some Krolsch here. They call it Kodachrome. It's very nice. It's a very sort of a bitter sort of Pilsner. It's a, a German beer that I enjoy. And uh, I just want to thank Greg and, and Two Stones for always hooking up the bunker. They're the unofficial official sponsor and, and beer sponsor of the studio. Thank you, Greg, and, uh, and thank you, Two Stones. And speaking of Greg, if you ever want to meet Greg, um, our conciliary, our friend, um, he will be the bartender at the Delaware Call Fall Classic. Su- Saturday, October 7th, at the York Lynn Center for Creative Arts, we're doing a barbecue and beer and 19th century baseball game to support the Delaware Call Media Project. We'll have information out there. You can buy passes to the barbecue in the bar. You can just buy tickets to the game. We're going to have concessions there. If you just get tickets, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a a brass quintet playing mid mid 19th century marching music. Which I asked Carl's dad. I was like, what what would they play at like a at a at a picnic in 1860? He's like, you need a you need a brass quintet, and I was just like, I went okay, <laughs> like what am I supposed to say? <laughs> so we're gonna have some information out there for you. Um, yeah, consider consider that. So we are behind enemy lines. We are mere steps from Rockford Tower, and uh, we're here uh, with our good friend and comrade. Uh, he is uh, the head of the Creative Vision Factory in Wilmington. He's an activist and artist. Uh, Michael Kambach. Uh, Michael, thank you for coming. Hey, good to be here. I I, uh, I parked kind of far away so I could walk the neighborhood. Usually, I usually get a evening walk in. It's kind of my routine these days. I wanted to see the trees out here. Um, nice trees. We do have nice trees. No garbage. Not I hardly saw any garbage. So I would say all those signs led to me being very, very, very safe. But I can pass in all zones. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you if, if it wasn't if it wasn't got my safe, Brooks Brothers shirt on today. Got some cool glasses. Yeah, you probably looked like a regular cool regular uh, Highlands. Uh, per- they're like this guy's guy right in the Highlands. Good dude. He's good people. <laughs> Christ Almighty. Well, the la- the last time we really talked about this, uh, it, I you gave me some information, and I, I want to kick this off by sort of getting an update. We have been publishing this series on the east side and um, and how um, French Street was basically eaten up by corporate interests for, for garbage, for garbage municipal buildings. 
And uh, BPG has been doing that on Shipley Street and Orange, uh, right near the Creative Vision Factory. And uh, I know um, it's been it's it's been an encroaching uh, sort of monster. What's the update? Uh, where? What's the next move? And, and what's going on? Like, can you? Can you well, I would also add that I'm like deeply implicated. You know, like my first, like, what are you my first, in? my first job is like I'm at the Delaware College of Art and Design. One of my first, very first projects is uh, Shipley Artist Lofts, Chris White Gallery, that I'm part of. And so, you know, there's a narrative out there that you know, Comback is also part of this creative class that's moved into downtown, turned it over, you know, making it unaffordable. Is there uh, is is there a story? Uh, is that, is that real? Are you putting me on, or is that like a thing? Creative Vision Factory, then also being this kind of like really radical so entity woke, that so uh, can navigate these, uh, you know, like West Center City community and that kind of web that is Shipley to market. Yeah, it's a it's like a it's a barrier of sorts. Yeah, and uh, it's been it's been wild to me because like uh, for me, you know, my very first job in Wilmington is I'm recruiting for the Delaware College of Art and Design. And we have this building at six and market street and I'm trying, it's my job to convince people to go to a two year art school in Wilmington in downtown. We had a building right next to ours that it was called the blessing place. It was some sort of like church group there. The mildew smelled so bad when you would walk by it for like open houses. And there was like this paint job on it of like this blue with like these orange flames. Oh, I remember this. It was pretty avant-garde. Yeah, I remember And this this is like early like New Wilmington Art Association days where I'm like putting it on art shows in the vacant properties owned by BPG. And so uh, it's just – it's wild to me. It's just like I feel like my my whole career I've I've been witness to these changes uh, and also like – kind of living out a community arts like textbook of sorts you know this is kind of the evolutions that our cities go through these are the kind of spaces and terrains and zones that arts organizations can be in and i feel like you know the organization that we have in in the population that we serve it's it's due to the fact that we are deeply engaged in the arts that we've even been around for 12 years you know we've seen other programs close we've seen other programs shutter and uh, we're still holding on, and uh, you know, I feel like we we <laughs> I know we have a great idea, and we do we perform miracles for people. And uh, you know, during the pandemic, you know, I've, I've tell people, you know, I had an idea of what we did before the pandemic, but in the midst of it, and still now, through multiple crises, opioid crises, housing crises, COVID crises, uh, you know, we're an integral social infrastructure for people who have nothing, for people who you know, like. Today, uh, Sam Rivera, the uh, executive director of, of On Point New York City, our nation's very first uh, overdose prevention centers, uh, was the keynote at today's harm reduction conference down at the Doubletree. And so today, I'm, I'm like bouncing in between Creative Vision Factory and, and this conference. And, uh, you know, Sam's work, you know, seeing, you know, the, you know what, they, what they've been able to do there the impacts they've been able to make in terms of like stuff that, you know, I, I think we, we all care about, like you, you, you don't want to go to a public park and have a bunch of syringes around. Yeah. You know? It's like not a good look. It's not a good, it's not healthy. It's not good Nobody for anybody. Likes Nobody likes it. It's just, it's people who sort of understand and want to sort of help or people who like just want it to go away somewhere and put it somewhere. But here's Sam, Sam Rivera. Thirteen. They they just ran some data on this because Parks and Rec in New York is picking up all these syringes in these various parks since their opening. 
there's 13,000 less syringes that Parks and Rec is picking up in these areas. Now, is he doing, uh, it, through, is he doing zero, it through art or through some other Zero outreach? deaths. Uh, no, he has a straight-up overdose prevention center just in Harlem. In, in Harlem. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and the infrastructure around it, you know, after today's talk, I mean, it's, like, super smart. They have all kinds of, like, respite beds there for if people just need to, like, go lay down. They have all kinds of, you know, alternative therapies. Uh, but the the medical portion of it are, are these are these uh, sterilized booths where you get all you know clean rigs, clean material. You can inject your drugs there. You can smoke your drugs there. There's a de- separate room for for smoking, and just meeting people where they're at. You know, seeing how they use, putting them in a situation where they can use an environment that's safe with safe materials, and develop a rapport with them. And the, and the, to love on them, to give them some dignity, you know, like, you know, he was saying that, you know, when people come in, you know, they're not saying, you know, I want to come, I want to get high. They're saying I'm sick. You know, the, you know, the, the folks that they need, they need this treatment. They need to have this ability to, to have dignity in their use. And, uh, and the science and the data, it all leads to this is the way. And yeah, it's the, it's the back about, and forth thing we, here. of like about what, what Portugal's done. And it's, again, I think you mentioned it before, sort of, it's a failure of imagination. Like, imagine we did this, and imagine that it starts to ameliorate some of these social problems. Here's the trick. You don't have to imagine it. Because it's being done. It's being done in New York and Harlem. Mm -hmm. It's being done in Portugal. It's being done a lot of places. It can be done. No, it totally can be done. It is happening. And then, too, it's like it's... You know, the pieces of the future that we need are, are actually here right now. You know, there's programs and, and spaces that are, you know, living with one foot in the future, the very necessary future that we need, trying to respond to people's needs, centering them, and then t- trying to do justice by them. You know, we're not burned out. We're, we're under-resourced and we're heartbroken. And this, this is an analysis uh, that I got from a Canadian researcher, Dr. Vicki Reynolds. Uh, she, you know, works with victims of of all kinds of violence, torture, all kinds of shit. Uh, her and like Dr. Gabor Mate, you know, really like made their bones through direct service and in Vancouver, in the Lower East Side of Vancouver, where a lot of these harm reduction strategies, housing first stuff, developed, and and it works. And there's and there's the data behind it. So it's like at one token, it's like when you're managing a program that's, you know, state funded here in Delaware and in anywhere, you know, you're going to be asked for, you know, evidence. You're going to be asked for data. You're going to be asked for all this stuff. They're going to say uh, a, a really good game about trauma being trauma informed. And that's what today with, uh, you know, Sam Rivera's talk at, at the Doubletree, you know, he was saying, you know, we, like we talk about trauma, the word. We just give it lip service. You know, it's like we're not really talking about the trauma that people have experienced. When you when you really get to hang out with people and get to share space with them and be with them, you know, meditate with them twice a day, you know, see them at their highs and lows, see them at these various extremes, you get to you get to see the the depth of people, you know, like the you know, very real constituents, real people with desires and needs. And um you know, it's like, you know, people are, are they're, they're going through some shit due to so much lack, so much extremes. 
So I'm losing my train of thought, but it, it has just been uh, well, I can it's been a privilege in. to like have this space. But at the same token, it's like we can't. It's it's not easy to imagine what what's needed. You know, when you ask people so, what so they need, they need a shower, the they need a, ba- a bath. So as as people know, or they should know. If they don't. <clears throat> the Creative Vision Factory is a space on Shipley Street. Uh, we've talked about it before. Michael's been in before, uh, where people can come. Uh, do art, hang out, um, charge their phone, get a glass of water. Uh, and you've done incredible stuff uh, for the last dozen years. Uh, it's grown. You've done public art with people. You've mentored artists who've gone on to do incredible things. But BPG wants to put more um, apartments on Shipley Street. And so um, your space there was at risk. So just level, if you could take five minutes to sort of level set everybody uh, about what's happening with the space and why and what you might need to transition into. Yeah. Well, we're in a situation where we, uh, we don't have a contract past December 31st. And our, our contract with the Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health expired on June 30th. We're operating off of extensions now as we're waiting for a request for proposals for the next contract of which we got to compete for um so we're in this contract situation where our funding is is in limbo and so our lease matched our contract and so at you know leading up to june and we realizing we're going to get this extension you know we um we've had a really great relationship with our landlord jed hatfield the owner of colonial parking he's always been like a straight up guy and uh at the same token like we've had you know we pay we pay for a lot there. We pay our property ta- property taxes for the location. We pay the rent, uh, but we've been a consistent so you pay tenant. The property taxes through for the, the landlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it's like, you know, I don't want to and let that slip by me. Not disrupted through the pandemic either. You know, we're a solid tenant. We bring bring resources there, but at the same token, we provide a very very valuable service, a huge service, and it's Maybe like one I'm of like the most valuable. Super things. like uh, like I, I I have this like default setting that i gotta like apologize for it all the time you know and that's the like the complex ptsd of doing what are you this work. what are you apologizing for? When, you, when you do that when you find yeah, yeah. Your, when you find yourself in a situation where you're like uh you 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 feel sort of apologetic mm-hmm. that you feel you're in a situation well, where you have to say that what take this what, for what, instance what, what, what is happening there okay take this for instance uh just two days ago uh during our shift break we closed down from one to two uh, it's a cleaning routine and also like a lunch period that we have taken on during the pandemic. It's like one of the new boundaries that we discovered that and we're keeping this. Love this. So good for the staff. Have that blow. You clean the building, you eat your lunch, you get ready for the next shift. Also, too, it gives us the ability, like the different shifts. Like sometimes we have personalities that shouldn't be sharing space together. Now, instead of like banning somebody, we can split shifts you know, we can have somebody come in the afternoon, the other person come in the morning. It's just, it's been a great tool. And so during our shift break, a guy is walking his dog up the street and he says to my admin assistant, Chantal, who's been working with me forever. She was our admission secretary at the Delaware College of Art and Design. I like, I brought her over she with me she. big time. <laughs> and uh, so Shawnee is my ride or die. I love, love Chantal. And this guy approaches her, he's walking the dog and says to her that he's taking care of his mom who's sick, who lives at Shipley Lofts. And I've seen your boss's dissertation. 
and I just want you to know that people down here, we haven't signed up for his social experiment. And so Chantal, like, it's like, excuse me? <laughs> like, and she then, she was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go eat lunch. If you want to talk to Michael, you can talk to Michael. And then she comes in and then communicates to me, like, what just transpired. Now, I don't know if, like, people know, like, the ins and outs or the flows or the waves of, of complex PTSD. But if you're made to feel scared or threatened, you're going to have a variety of responses. And it's like, you know, everyone knows fight or flight. Uh, little, little is, is like, I feel, I feel like we need to talk a lot more about freeze and a lot more about fawning. You know, I think that I always find myself in a fond response where I want to then reach out and befriend you. I want to make you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be the safest person you ever. Yeah, we're going to be besties. <laughs> and that's how I've, I've kept so myself safe exactly, my entire so life. This is just a guy. So hearing this, this guy's guy criticism. Dog, so he's, he's, he, he, it was critical. He saying said, that he saw my dissertation, he probably like researched the talk, probably like saw my like TEDx talk at like Baylor. <laughs> And, and he's saying it's that probably hating on the Creative Visions factory so much, and because you're in the use. neighborhood, his mom is in the in the Shipley Lofts, no. and because and, and again, I don't know if we were clear about this. We've talked about it before, but just so you know, the the, the people who come and and utilize the facility that do art and all of that are uh, they're either out of prison, uh, they're uh, maybe they're unhoused. Um, they're on the street for a variety of perhaps um, medical, uh, mental reasons. Um, and so, you know, it's it's people who need... It's a huge spectrum. It's yeah. also like it's getting... It's people it's who getting really, really young, need... It's this. getting younger. It's getting a lot younger, too. And so he's basically saying because, because you provide... This is the classic... It's the classic, like, the methadone. People in line for methadone, like, two blocks from your house, and you freak out, like, oh, my God, or whatever. Um, so it's that it's that move. It's like yeah. you're experimenting well, then, with my shit. Well, like then you're, he you're then he also said he, he he said you know would you just tell them to stop using drugs? Oh yes, and so like, I never that, thought like, about that. That's a, Michael. I'm I'm so glad this guy stopped by today with his fucking dog to tell them. Have you ever? Hmm. Asked them to stop using uh, drugs. Yeah. Well, Rob, like it, I, I didn't that, really not realize that that's comment through Chantal put me into basically a freeze, almost like a dissociative state for the whole second shift. I was just kind of like going through the motions, ruminating on it, thinking about Chris White. I have I have deep trauma on Shipley Street. Chris White was a mentor to me. He was struck and killed in the hit and run accident right in front of Sam's. You know. Uh, my number two at Creative Vision Factory, Michael Solomon, died two summers ago. You know, like this guy's the, the the fucking flaming heart of Creative Vision Factory. So, my work down there is bookended by some death, and then all the people we've been serving have been dying prematurely ever since we opened. You know, it's just like that's that's what community mental health is right now. It's it's outsourced. It's it's precarious. It's run a lot by peers, and um, you know, and we're in a situation. It's like. Yeah, I think I made it pretty clear in my uh, Delaware Journal Public Health article that, you know, like, you know, some people navigated all this and they're getting raises, and they're getting protections. Like, we get contract uncertainty. And, uh, uh, yeah, can't tell you what's going to happen past December 31st. So this is why I meditate so you twice a day. So at this point, you're, you're this working towards to become a Zen deadline. priest. You're working towards this deadline, but you're not sure what's, what's happening. Mm -hmm. 
And so, I mean, we feel confident that we're going to be able to get our contract renewed. Um, that's a whole other, like, uh, podcast series. Like, you would need, like, 30 hours for me to give you the backstory on that. But, you know, I'm kind of in this position where I, I have to utilize an organization, Horizon House, that we that we work with. And they, you know, they kept us open throughout the pandemic. That's, that's no small feat. Uh, but they're a Philadelphia-based organization. They have Philadelphia board, Philadelphia executive team. We're in a situation where we've got a 12-year history. We have tons of partnerships throughout the city, partnerships with Winter Tour Museum, Delaware Art Museum, tons of collaborations with the University of Delaware. Uh, we got a little grant from UD this year that's going to cover a cost of the UD Center for Community Research and Service that's going to walk us through our very own 501c3 process, continue to do strategic planning with us. Uh, but the peer programs have been in a situation where they've been run through the service providers. And so your peer advocacy is being run basically like in the basement of service providers that really as peers, we should be like kind of watchdogs of. Now we're all like work for them. <laughs> and so there's this, there's this clinical thing that took place uh, that wasn't in place when we first started. Now we first started off the coattails of a Department of Justice settlement agreement against the state hospital. And so all the peer programs were set up pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we all shared one fiscal agent at one particular time. And so we've had all these kind of false starts as to what form or what end form these programs should be. I remember thinking it was really naive early on of state workers to think that all of these programs are just going to be 501c3s and like manna was going to fall down from heaven. And it's, uh, you know, I, you know, as an art student, though, you know, my time at the University of Delaware, I did spend time in, you know, the public policy and public administration department now called the Biden School. When I was a master of fine arts student there, I took a nonprofit leadership and governance course done a lot of the nonprofit leadership with the UD Center for Community Research and Service. Dr. Steve Matro is a, is a, he's a fucking real one. He's Dr. A, Matro, he's a good dude. Dr. Matro is a, uh, say he's a friend of show. Mm -hmm. He's, he's a, he's, he is, he is a, a friend of, I, I sort of met him kind of through Dale Norwood, who's a, a friend of ours, is a historian to UD, at UD. Mm -hmm. um, actually, they both, they both put on a, a talk with Hal Weitzman, uh, came the What's the Matter with Delaware guy, the, the Chicago uh, yeah, yeah. economist. <clears throat> they they sponsored, they, they jointly sponsored a talk he gave at UD, uh, Stephen and Dale. So, yeah, I know he's a good dude. You know, we've been, we've had this like tragic project. Uh, you know, our program is born out of the Delaware Psychiatric Center uh, settlement agreement that Markell signed. You know, for warehousing people in the state hospital, violations of the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, use of restraints and seclusion in the state hospital. And kind of like, you know, we get the, into the, all these changes in downtown. I love talking about like the arts ecosystem. But when, when I think about Creative Vision Factory, I got to like get that aperture wider too and like take a look at this like geography of the state hospital, you know, following the highway up into the city, uh, the cemetery project that we did within our like first basically i think like our first or second year we started the um, delaware psychiatric center spiral cemetery monument the spiral cemetery has stones in a spiral formation that only have numbers on them so people who died in the state hospital they got a stone and only had a number on it and a part of the settlement agreement too and a part of this like justice seeking of getting people out of the state hospital and into communities 
It's thought to be amazing if we can connect the numbers to the names of those individuals. And so we like did a fundraising campaign. We created these directory tiles that did just that. We had one of our artists, William Slowick, design this uh, monument, based it off of like doing actual tile workshops with people who were in DPC and at Creative Vision Factory. It was all great. Uh, we're, we're fi we fired it with a kiln that was donated to us from a local artist. After the first winter of that completion, we start to see signs that it's not going to hold up. Turns out we used the wrong clay body. It never hit the appropriate temperature. And ever resulting winter, the whole, all the clay just started to flake off. It was huge public failure. William, bless his heart. When I taught high school art in Virginia for three years, I learned that I could say bless his heart and then talk shit. Uh, but William, after he completed <laughs> I think it's, that. I think it's known that when you do that, that, that <laughs> yeah. that's what's coming. So he, after the completion of that project, after he gets paid, he, he moved to Las Vegas. Now, granted, his, his elderly parents moved out there. It's a support system for, for him. But he moves out there. And this thing starts to fall apart. And, um, you know, it, it really wasn't until the pandemic that we even had, like, the headspace to get back to campus to rectify this. But in that time period, we've done so many projects and we've learned so much about the craft of tile making. And then, too, thanks to this pandemic era partnership that we had with Winter Tour Museum called Upcycled, where we made, uh, you know, th three public artworks with upcycled materials in Alice Dunbar Nelson bench that is over at Ninth and Church Street that you got to go check out. Uh, well, Michael we, Solomon bench. We mentioned our, our, our Alice uh, Dunbar Nelson and uh, Jordan's first piece. No, no big time. Like, we've been on that tip. My, my, my buddy David Kim has been doing a lot of research also from the UD English department. Big uh, Alice Dunbar Nelson project. His uh, Whiting Foundation win is, is huge feather in his cap. But then, too, the pandemic kind of like shit on a lot of the programming. And it's really sad because I feel like the story could have even have had a bigger impact. I mean, Alice Dunbar Nelson was fucking radical. She's incredible. And when I first started hearing about her work, I really like I felt hurt. I remember like being apologetic to Ray Avery that I didn't like know her story earlier. And Speaking just of know apologetic, of her. You, you, you skipped out on my question mm -hmm. for like what specifically oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. makes you feel like you, you well you owe i feel like an apology yeah, yeah, i feel like, like, like you know that criticism like when i heard that some guy who's living at shipley lofts taking care of his like elderly mom thought to stop and say to chantal to tell him to stop using drugs and that not everybody signed up for Michael's social experiment that triggered me. Well, you live in fucking Shipley Lofts, that... bro. You signed up for the fucking experiment. Why do you fucking think that's there? Mm -hmm. Like, how yeah. do you think your mom has a place to live? Well, yeah, that's part, I'm part sorry, of it. I'm, yeah. I'm doing my doing the thing well, that I do now. Part of where I go with it, too, is like, you know, I, I know the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into that building's early life uh, in the aftermath of Chris's death. And so, like, any kind of, like, tone or even a look from that building could set me off that's what the the the, the current board at their 10-year anniversary invited the mayor to address the crowd and i like was beside myself and i showed up anyways and i was like super sick i had this like skin thing going on well, my like see, elbows this is, stuff, this is the stuff i'll tell you <laughs> we were talking about this uh earlier like susan has to go to stuff that I can't go to. Mm -hmm. Like, the reason your skin was probably all fucked up is because you're like, this mayor's fucked up. I don't want to be, I don't want to be here. 
and you should have just oh. been like, you know what? Well, it's wild. Like, I, right. I was telling the story about like I get I get these Remicade infusions, and I trust I'll weave this together. But I get these Remicade infusions for my ulcerative colitis. I have my ulcerative colitis symptoms right when I leave graduate school. When do I leave graduate school? I leave graduate school in the spring of 2008. I enter into this, that fucking like shit show. And, oh, by the way, I just had a baby a week after my thesis As a banker show. in 2008, I'm, speaking of apologies, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. We saw it coming. We knew it was happening. And I, I had no way to like let people know. It's a, so uh, I'm symptomatic. Yeah, speaking of apologies, I'm symptomatic that winter at the College Art Association conference in Dallas, Texas, where I, ha I landed an interview with Boston University, and I know that the baby is coming, and I know that like the end of my time in graduate school is coming, and I have this one interview in Dallas. As soon as I got off the plane, I started smoking cigarettes, and I had like quit Marlboro Reds for like like for, like four years. So boom, right back, and. um but that's when I first started having my UC symptoms, constantly having to go to the bathroom, blood in your stools, all kinds of like gnarly stuff. I then had those symptoms all through my three years of working at the Delaware College of Art and Design. And I'm traveling, recruiting for the, the school and also doing a lot of the New Wilmington Art Association shows. So I, I've been on this Remicade treatment, though for like the past like 10 years and it's put me in remission and I've had like really great scopes. When I, insurance changed on me and I used to go to an infusion center at the hospital and I would get infused every eight weeks and it was kind of a community there. And I got to know a variety of nurses. There's people, people all the like, and we're kind of on the same schedules with people. Yeah. And then uh, my insurance changed and I had to like start using this at home option. And a nurse like comes to my house and I got this like big box with like all the shit and my very own IV stand. And I'm telling you, like the best GI health that I've been in has been like since I got my own IV stand and I've been with Dr. Bass. Like Dr. Bass, like his, my first session with him, he actually talked to me for an hour and just like asked me for my story. And then like getting my own IV stand... <laughs> So I thought the thought, I had this thought, I was like, I, I must be sick. Like, if I have my own IV stand, I must be sick. <laughs> yeah, if you got a thing, does, like, does it have wheels on it or is it just like a it thing? took It took all that for me to, like, simply accept that I have ulcerative colitis. And it's like the drive that I've been in, like the hypervigilance that my body's been in since 2008, like leaving graduate school, needing to work, having a kid, like that's the generational trauma that, like – like my folk have dealt with since they've come over here. Like that's just a, you got to work or die. This guy's having you know? problems too. Are you listening to this? If you don't get your stuff in order, no. We've been and talking so about like Carl. The he's, revolution he's requires his... like Carl and I need to go to spas like you frequently. To, yeah. You know? And you, like you know what? Here's the thing. You guys talk about and it's a funny thing. Sustainability is an neither, issue. Neither one of you guys drink or do drugs. No. You guys got to do more drugs. Probably. Not you. <laughs> You're probably you, exactly you already right. did all the drugs. You exactly did all the right. drugs already. You're exactly right. Yeah, you did them all. He doesn't have. He he needs to do mm -hmm. some. <laughs> that's what you could be doing this. But I think that you know it's like that simple acceptance. I think there's there's deep power in acceptance and accepting that. And what was interesting is like I have I've had this really great like I've been symptom free. Uh, just last fall, I had like the best scope ever. I got to get colonoscopies every two years. I had a great scope. Shows a ton of healing. But We're gonna have to talk about that. For the past, I'm coming up on like the regular one. Like I'm gonna have to get my first one. I got all and, like, kinds I, of harm I, I reduction. Know, like I'm like all kinds of advice for you. Okay, because they get can they put you to sleep now? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank, that's great. Thank fucking Christ yeah. for that. 
But I feel like, you know, the acceptance thing, I think, is key. And, and then, too, it's like these walks out at Winter Tour, the stuff that I've been reading recently, the Inflamed book, um, Deep Medicine and the Anatomy of Injustice. You know, for me, I feel like the deep medicine uh, is really, too, it's it's in my work. You know, it's it's in holding space for people and, and uh, making contact. Sam Rivera today from On Point New York City was saying, you know, we when people come into our space, we love on them. You know, we love on them and give them dignity. And, uh, you know, that's, that's huge. And so that, that has a, a big impact as a part of the healing. But when somebody like drops that, that statement of, I listened to your dissertation and I want you to know folks didn't sign up for this social experiment. It makes me also feel very seen. Like he's like researching me, he's doing something that, and then too, it's like, if you do the work that I do right now and I've been there for 12 years, like I'm literally like surrounded. Like, you know, things have now grown up over yes, us and yeah. people look down on our folks all the time. And this Literally past spring, yeah. this past spring, when I wrote the Delaware Journal for Public Health piece, you know, our, you know, our artist Nakoma was experiencing some pretty intense homelessness with his girlfriend. And uh, it was for, it took until the spring of 2023 for me to see our folks in such extremes sleeping right in front of our building. But also due to like the capital that we have and the network that we have there, there was like a, a little zone of safety built around them. You know, they didn't get like pushed off. You know, they didn't like, you know, wipe out their encampment. Now, you know, I did get messages to clean up the block, you know, and, you know, but, you know, in the morning when we would open up, they would come in. We'd like clean up that area and we'd get them inside, try to hold space for them and just try to really start to, to advocate. Now... The adv advocacy gets really, really tough and tricky when people are up su against such extreme states. It's really easy to believe that there's a conspiracy out against you. Yeah, really easy to dive into that thinking. Sure. And then, too, oftentimes a lot of our folks will have you know very lived ex experiences of forced treatment, of being scooped up, asking for help, being scooped up, and then being like in some sort and being detained. Yeah, it's interesting because and, there is um, there is a there is a conspiracy, but it's not against any individual. It's it, it, yeah, they're they're right actually. The thing that they're feeling that 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 the that the the structures of our society, and our government, and our social services, and all of that, that is not it's 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 set up to just hope that someone dies. They're correct about that actually. Yeah, no, but it has uh, nothing to do with them personally. That's like a, you know, that's the difference. Like maybe that, maybe that helps somebody sort of deal with it, but they're, they're actually correct. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been, it's wild. Cause I, I've been doing the work now for 12 years and it's, um, it's been a really hard thing for me to accept. You know, it's like, you know, you, you want to rail against it. And these past few years I've had like the best scopes that I've had ever for my UC, but I've had like, I've been dealing with like a skin outbreak and when I'm trying to, I'm dealing with these hives and this rash, I'm trying to figure it out with like this nexus of doctors. Every single, every time I tell them that I'm on a autoimmune biologic medication, everyone just kind of shrugs and is like, yeah, it's probably like, uh, you know, that's probably what's going to happen for you. <laughs> it's probably kind of related to that. I couldn't get anything definitive and everyone tells me to, you know, stress less. 
And it's, uh, you know, it's like I'm doing a lot of uh, self-care. I have to do self-care just to be able to center anybody's concerns at the Creative Vision Factory. It's like my duty for my work. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question now. Hmm? Because a year ago, well, two years ago, three years ago, I would have thought that this is all kind of like silly. I wouldn't have really bought into it. Yeah. I don't think this way anymore. I, I think this, there's something to this, and I, I'm not sure what it is. I think that there has to be there's <clears throat> if you if you feel things like this and you have stress it's going to come out some way. Yep. I think there's something to that. Like well, I, like I I don't try to stay sort of zen. Like I'll I'll argue with somebody. I'll get, you know, I'm I can be you know, I don't do it anymore, but I you know, I have a temper. Mhm. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll fight. I'll fight somebody. I, I don't care. I'd rather get killed than than act like than be bullied. Uh, so I have an outlet of sort of like antisocial. It's not a good outlet. It's not good at all. Yeah, yeah. But but it's but it, it it releases some sort of toxic feeling, and it's out. Mm. And I think maybe yours is like some skit. Like they can't explain it. Like I don't know, no. Like I can't explain well, I why I, I get yell. mad. I probably need to yell more. I think I yes. need to hockey fight people more. Probably this is the fight healthy. club. We yeah. should start a fight club. Fight club would be. We should start a fight good. club. Well, I used to play a, a lot of hockey, and I, you know, I don't play hockey anymore. But hockey the thing is, you're you're a big guy. We hockey to me was always like a justice oriented thing for me. Like I had a kid when I was in high school tell me that I was too poor to play on the team, and so I sold like crazy amount of candy bars and played that first season with like real shitty equipment and got made fun of just to beat that kid's ass and i ended up being the starting right winger for the varsity team at the end of year one and it was all just to like don't, don't tell me Look, i'm like too poor to do something do. you gotta do shit out of spite <laughs> everybody knows that i mean so spite that's just, is a that's spite just, is a fuel for me well, and but i speaking, you know shout out to sil wolford the historian sil wolford because he knows what we're talking about right now the um but, uh, you know, my peer support kind of hero, uh, you know, somebody I'd put on the peer support, uh, Mount Rushmore, uh, AA founder Bill Wilson, you know, is, wrote that, uh, you know, anger is the, the luxury of normal men. And for me, it's like I, uh, you know, I've, for me, that, that can be a fuel that burns so hot that I just can't, I can't even deal. I just can't, my body doesn't have the capacity to hold on to it gotta let it go I gotta like transform it somehow and and what's been wild for me is that like i've always uh you know i feel like i've always kind of been in tune with with the healing part of making you know producing art but also for me athletics and sports has also been about ritual routine repetition like being a baseball player being a hockey player um has been a deep medicine for me you know, walking my neighborhood with my dog, deep medicine. Walking with my wife, huge, deep, deep medicine. Going out to Winter Tour Garden where everything is placed in its exact location to thrive and you walk out there a lot, like the air is fucking different. It, you know, it's different when I have a, a really stressed out day and a couple birthdays ago when I was super, super stressed, my good friend Christian Willauer gifted me this book, Root Shock, underneath the 300-year-old sycamore at Winter Tour Gardens. And so for me, it's like, you know, being an artist that does community artwork, it's about like, you know, my job's to like make meaning. 
And how easy is it to make meaning sitting under a 300-year-old sycamore tree with your best friend on your birthday, like talking about housing? And it's like when you're out there at Winter Tour, it hasn't given me this kind of like liminal zone. What's been wild to me too is like that so many of those, uh, you know, just really appreciating like, you know, not just paying lip service to trauma, but, you know, if we we are really trauma-informed, you know, we have to extend that into the geography. We got to extend that into the environment that we're in, and and really ask, you know, not what's not what's wrong with Wilmington, but what happened to Wilmington. And when we look at all, like what happened to all these places, and you have somebody come by and like make that statement to Chantal, social contrast. It's like I could ruminate all over over and over and over again. And it's like you're like, we're you know, tell them not to use drugs. These people have been structurally oppressed from Jump Street. And are just trying to survive, and we create a friendly, open door, and we meditate twice a day, and we make art, and we try to respond to their needs and advocate for them. And, Here, and here's that's what like, I, here's, <laughs> here's here's the here's the the thing I'm trying to get through to people, and I don't know how to do it, or whether you think it's productive to do, mm-hmm. but this is a perfect example of how to sort of thing, like. <clears throat> I'm somebody who makes fun of like libertarians all the time because it's like I'm gonna go move to a Galt's Gulch and and you know be free. Like you're an idiot. Yeah. Like this is the historical context that we're in. Is that to to the guy's point who was walking the dog? You're you're part of the experiment. Like you don't like you're here, and so there is no permission slip that you get to sign. Or, like, you don't get to decide whether you're in it or you're not in it. You're just in it. And I'm sorry. Like, maybe you feel like you should have had a choice not to be part of society. Um, But you're walking down Shipley Street, and your mom lives in a building that was basically built and made available by uh, the people that you're talking about. So, you're in it. You know... I, I and this is the thing that I'm trying to get. There, there is no opt out. There's no island in the Pacific where you know the FS, F, the FTX people can go and have their polycule and and do experiments on chimpanzees, uh, if everybody dies or whatever. Because you know that day we're trying to do that. <laughs> you know, this is like Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. Mm-hmm. It's all the same stupid. It's like you're eight years old and you read a comic book. And you think that you're going to take yourself out of what we are all in together because you don't you don't like it, yeah. or you don't think it's fair, or you don't theoretically believe in it. I I have to break the news to you: none of that matters because we're in it, and whether you signed up for it or not, talk to your parents. If you have a problem with being here, tell your mom and dad. You didn't want to. You didn't want to be here, and they can fucking deal with you. Send you to a hospital or get you help, whatever help you need. But we're in it. Yeah. Like the idea that you thought you had a choice in the matter, while you're walking your dog in the fucking neighborhood that it happened, oh. is a little bit strange. Well, I, I just like I, I, I like I, I love Shipley Loss. Like I love those bricks. I love that building. I love like the I love the space. I love there. the Chris White Gallery. Well, you already know. I mean, we threw a big street. event there. I love that fucking space. And it's just like it, that. Really, just like hit me. <laughs> and uh, 
And then too, for me though too, it's like a that kind of subsidy, that kind of low income subsidy, and the social space that the Chris White Gallery creates in there is wild. You know, for for me, when me and my mom got our first place after my parents divorced and my mom moved back to Somerset, Pennsylvania, we lived in this community called Village Way, and it's a subsidized housing on the wrong side of town. But like the social, like the social infrastructure there. Like I had like some wild friendships. We built forts in the woods in between like our place and the single family housing zoned place. Uh, you know, sometimes we'd have friends over there and we'd ride bikes in like the na- nice neighborhood. Uh, if there was like a lice outbreak, there would be signs at our community pool say, you know, kids from the village can't swim today. You know, my mom was a lifeguard instructor there and, and then was ready to walk out. Said to the boss, well, I guess we can't, that means us. And then and he was like, well, that, that doesn't mean you and Michael. You know, it's like stuff like that. It's like, that's, yeah. it's in my bones. Like I came up through that. But at the same token, it's like that kind of infrastructure is what gave me a place to like survive. Being a kid of a single mom who was, you know, also navigating recovery and precarity and trying to go back to school. And it's like, what's wild for me is like when I watched, uh, you know, when I did watch uh, Hillbilly Elegy, like even the casting of Amy Adams, like she looks like my fucking mom. Like, like it looks like the same era. And you were having like, a, I've been having like a moment. My, you know, my Delaware Journal of Public Health piece. I had like four false starts when I was writing that piece, and I think they all need to be developed. But I really, I've been thinking a lot about like those experiences and the like how radical of a different analysis. You know, I come up through a very similar trajectory from like a J.D. Vance who, you know, goes to Yale Law and has this particular analysis. Yeah, That's like nothing, nothing through my analysis and what I lived through like tells me that at all. My, my mom used to talk with pride that she was the only person in Lancaster County who voted for Jesse Jackson. And like she like I got to That's see that in the paper. actually fucking great. And I like I lived and grew up at Village Way. And, you know, subsidized housing developments can be made, like, intentionally and artfully. And I feel like what I want to start shifting towards is, you know, like, not letting this guy have free rent in my head for, like, 72 hours right. before I get over it. But to really just start, like, dreaming with my friends as to well, what, what do we need and let's, like, make that. Let's, like, build that. Like, today, getting to sit in a conference and get to see Sam Rivera, the founder of On Point New York City, give a talk in Wilmington – that's kind of huge. Like that wouldn't have happened like pre-pandemic of a DSAM funded like conference to have this guy, you know, talking to us about an overdose prevention center at all. Like we have gone through a portal in the pandemic in some aspects. And, um, but what I'm so excited about though, too, is like, if we just like had like a fucking modicum of imagination to just like, like do like universal enrollments, get people connected to the benefits that they already fucking qualify for. Like, have you read M- Matthew Desmond's latest book, no. Poverty by America? No. Like, there's just like some basic shit that we could do that could just like get people connected to the, the entitlements that they already deserve. There's like paltry participation in like in TANF and well, and, all kinds and again, of shit. this is this is a thing I always harp on too, is like the the the. Because we have a thing about if we're going to offer services to people who need them, whatever it is, housing, health care, whatever, there has to be some kind of process by which we can figure out whether you deserve it. Like, where did you come from? How much money did you you make? Who are you again? Like, what's your problem? Did you have you been to jail? 
Like, there's a means test. There's some sort of means test. And I, going back to the other thing, this is like why there shouldn't be a means test. If you understand that we're all sort of in it, and as much as you want to, like, pretend like you can run off, you can't. And so there should be sort of a universal understanding that if somebody... There shouldn't be an examination of someone, of someone's, you know, background, what choices they made. I've made tons of bad choices. Especially the choices that they made in survival mode, in direct trauma response, like on these fringes of precarity, in these sacrifice zones, like just drowning in these structural conditions. It's wild. It's it's, uh, Recently, it's like, Seeing the extremes that our folks are going through has been helping me get to this place of acceptance. Like, yeah, I accept that this it is this bad. This is our this is our baseline here. Let's like focus on what we can do when we center somebody who's deeply hurting and we like honor their autonomy and we give them what they need and support them through that. And then also support them through the evolution of lear- like learning and discovering what they need. Bill Perkins, who is like the original gangster Buddha who you know, ran Friendship House, you know, he said to me once back in the day that you know, he, he feels like we need to get away from the word recovery. So many of the people that we work with on the streets, it's like they have nothing to recover. The trauma has been complex. It's this complex PTSD right from the shoot, right from birth, pre-birth, generational, straight through. What are we recovering? <laughs> You know, Bill would frame it as like we got to discover that there's new ways of kind of holding this space. There's new ways of being together. There's new ways of responding to this stuff. And I really feel like, you know, the Creative Vision Factory in this kind of peer-run space, we've been able to be this temporary autonomous zone and try to wrestle with those things and try to figure it out. Like how can you, uh, you know, if we, if, you know, I, I love saying, you know, fuck the police, but if we're going to say fuck the police, we got to stop being police to each other. Yeah. You know, like our population, we are like there is this faith in in the law for some reason that oh, it just blows my mind my work with dr Payne over the years has really kind of helped me because there is this like another deep, great uh there great is this like of the podcast uh professor yasser Payne. acceptance out. of a conservative kind of viewpoint of like you know these folks deserve this or the self-shame of i deserve this yeah i deserve to be feeling this way and it's like you know no it's like it was designed this way and 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 man you were doing everything you can to survive it and that's your job every single day and yeah like if you're out here every single night on the streets outside and if you don't have a choice between like a clean supply or a dirty supply the dirty supply wins every time because that pain relief is going to be effective you know and it's going to win. I mean, it's just like an adaptive behavior. They're going through extremes. The drug use makes absolute perfect sense. And so it's just, uh, you know, what's been cool about, you know, you know, this harm reduction conference today is all well and good, but it needs like, it needs its sales filled with leadership and enthusiasm and resources. We can't just like be sitting on the fence to kind of say, oh, let's see what like the harm reduction folks come up with. Like we need to like, we need to flood all fields. <laughs> we need to try like everything and see what works and then try to like replicate and grow. And uh, it's been frustrating for me, you know, like our, our program, we're in this precarious situation to peer programs underneath these service providers. And we too are caught in the structure. And then 
when people tell me, oh, why don't you just form 501c3? It's like, I'm at a point now too. It's just like, I've been working here in downtown. I don't see 501c3s like coming and saving the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can like... tell you, I was going to ask you before when you mentioned it. Now, like the call, for example, mm-hmm. the call uh, operates as a, as a nonprofit. It's a project under Network Delaware. Network Delaware is the 501c3. They have many projects that they sponsor. Uh, this is how Black Mothers in Power, for example, yeah. uh, became a thing, and 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 uh, Delaware Immigrant Fund, and uh, many you know, many other projects. Um, but like I don't, and and that was just a, a way to get it off the ground and do the work that we wanted to do. But I don't see like a uh, like a benefit. <laughs> like I don't know why somebody would be like, you got to do this. Like I guess it's a Delaware thing. Like they they think that that's how you get money. I don't I don't know. We don't have any. Yeah. So I, that's not working. Like I don't I I don't know what the I feel like there's a weird and maybe this is just hitting close to home because of my personal situation like with the call. Like I feel like there's this weird thing about like nonprofits. We'll just start a nonprofit and you can just do you can just funnel money through it or like what are they what are they talking about? Because I don't know what the fuck they're talking about when they say it. No. So I'm I'm wondering whether it you can shed you know, some light it, it shed some light on this idea about starting a five hundred one c three that's you know, some kind I of like that, magic. Bullet. You know, if it's something that we have to pursue to to make a new building a reality or to fundraise for a new building or to set up a partnership or to like have more of our public art making take the shape of maybe something that resembles workforce development, like I. The workforce development. But that's stuff a particular strategy. Too. That's yeah. like okay, we have to do. There's a there's a so there's, there's all a those thing kind we of considerations. We're gonna do that. But it's like thinking right now. It's like I, you know, you know, having read, you know, Power Broker and all the LBJ books and all that kind of stuff. It's the thing that I've always admired here locally. That's right above us in Philadelphia is Philadelphia Mural Arts Program. I just read in the beginning of the year uh, a book called A Prayer for the City. Uh, the, the guy who wrote. Friday Night Lights was embedded with the Ed Rendell administration for his first term as mayor. Writes this book. And um, so Philly Mirror Arts, like working in downtown, working at Delaware College of Art and Design, doing community arts projects, being a part of like Creative District, Wilmington Renaissance Corporation, you know, thinking about Jordan's pieces. You know, like you have Wilmington Renaissance Corporation was part of what bringing Delaware College of Art and Design into downtown. They were at the table for Ships Tavern Muse Apartments down the 300 block. They get behind a creative district. Um, you know, placemaking and all those kind of initiatives, it's, it's a, a particular agenda to drive a particular type of a development and it's kind of set up at the city. And... Um, where was I going right before I mentioned WRC? Yeah. But it's, um, you know, seeing it through that lens, you know, I feel like there's, you know, there was a time period where they then are championing city murals. They invite Philly Mural Arts to come down. And we had already started doing public art projects, you know, and then we saw this amazing benefit as we're doing public art, we're paying our folks to do it spreading all the money horizontally and, you know, getting them out there to do projects. WRC bringing down Philly Mirror Arts, it was like really clear that they were just going to have Philly Mirror Arts do the project. You know, not like fund somebody locally, like internally and like help them grow or maybe a fledging, you know, behavioral health drop-in center who already showed some capacity to make public art. <laughs> and uh, what was interesting though, they were, was scout- they were scouting their own. I was able to uh, secure a day of training through my friend, Ashley Biden, when I was on the board of uh, the, uh, 
her program, Young at Art, working with the Adjudicated Kids Art Program at Ferris School. And, you know, Ashley was able to hook me up with, the, like, like the red carpet treatment at Philly Mirror Arts. They had us up all day. They showed us their processes. They showed us, like, their books, how they budget projects, the whole nine. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> and it was like, that was the kind of, like, training we needed. So I had to get it via another channel. You know, I wasn't getting it through that kind of proper channel. But the thing that really amazes me once you dig into the Philly Mirror Art story is that they were a grant-funded anti-graffiti program from year to year. And Jane Golden goes around and tells the story, and she tells it all the time. And people come out with like a totally different lesson of the story, is that they're fledgling year-to-year grant-funded, just trying to keep it surviving. It was Ed Rendell that made them a part of Parks and Recreation. So they, like, Philly Mirror Arts, part of Parks and Rec, their overhead, their staff, you know, are part of that budget. Then their other structures, you know, their LLCs or 501c3 arms, can then go out and fundraise with various foundations, but they're stable. You know, they're stable, part of Parks and Rec. But this other arm, they have a particular niche, a thing that they do, that they can swim in every single funding stream imaginable. You know, they can do a mural project with the elderly. They can do a mural project with adjudicated youth. They can do a mural project with like people, you know, with, uh, you know, with HIV. They have murals in every city, city council district. When I hear the story of Philly Mural Arts, it starts to sound very familiar. It's a story like Jane Golden is the community arts Robert Moses. You know, she is like entrenched across all these various structures. And it like, it works. Like <laughs> she's created this thing. There's lots of criticism. You know, but like I, I admire the artistry of that. Like I'm not admiring the artistry of like how these things are getting done. Like that's not like the expertise. The expertise is in this structure. Yeah. And I want to like I want a Democrat who is going to unapologetically like see something that's working and then make it a part of their services. You know, like what you know, what we've been seeing is like we're doing like the real trauma informed constituent services because everybody that we see like needs to have some sort of like heavy governmental assistance. It's, they're so uh, up against such odds, but then they're uh, up against all these extreme experiences and how they present. They're going to fight everybody at the Porter Center. You know, it's extreme. And it's like we kind of get in there and we are the go between. We can start to translate between these extreme states. You know, some may call psychosis, may just, you know, it just seems like really natural ways to respond that the human body responds to shit that's unnatural. And so it's a, I don't know, it's been, it's been a wild ride. And the fact that we've like lasted 12 years in this rebuilt project, like rebuilding it and having it like stick, but also doing it like with institutional partners and friends. On this rebuilt wall, I have four tiles on this wall now that feature dish shards from a uh, plate that uh, once belonged to President Biden. It was, a, it was part of the vice president's residence. And when I was working on the Winter Tour Bench Project, I said to Ashley, I was like, look, I'll leave two tiles if you want to get me a dish of any sort and your family can be on this bench. And so just a year pro- uh, earlier, uh, we created this little action on the Delaware Arts Council where we got them to recognize hip hop as a funding category on St. Patrick's Day. And Ashley and I got Namdi, the got the twin poets and Ashley to like come in and just like be the slam dunk. Like how could the division of the arts say no to those two? And uh so it was like a fun little nod to like put her on that bench, but like breaking that plate and making these tiles and then having those tiles on that state hospital project. I can't help but think and start to dream of like what what would community mental health infrastructure look like if we really do justice by all those souls in that cemetery 
and really do justice by really trying to navigate this kind of carceral zone of the state hospital system of which our community mental health structure, as flimsy as it is, at least was the result of like not institutionalizing people. I fear that like we're going to have a tendency to maybe go back rather than, you know, build the beloved community and the integrated community and the social and creative community. Maybe it's going to be easier to like just stash people. Yeah, but I, I mean, really feel that's like always the that's always the, the the one thing when anything comes up and we're like, well, you know, uh, Reagan uh, he he closed all of these uh, mental hospitals, and I'm like, well, we don't really we don't really need to go back to that. No, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are some <clears throat> I'm sure there's some uh, w- service that n- needs to be for people who really need significant care or or need to be in a place i'm that makes sense to me um but all of this stuff i hope just brings people up to the idea that we can address some of these problems but you have to start thinking in a different way and art's a perfect way to do that here's what i'm going to tell people to do because i think you gave me great advice I i love this gather people you trust and resist that's what you got to do. Michael, thank you for, for coming in and talking to us. Thank you, Rob. I love this stuff. I like this stuff because it gets me uh, gets me thinking the right way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes I'm not thinking the right way. Sam Rivera said today, he you was know? like, you know, he uh, somebody was saying, do you get a lot of protesters? You get a bunch of people pushing back at your site. And, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to mix it up with them. But he was like, you know what? Like He was like, more and more, I don't have anything to say to them. You know, I... I only want to be focused on love. I want to be focused on love and growing and building. And it's like I have too many good friends doing really great work that I just trust that we're going to keep on plugging away and like craftsmen, we're going to get this thing right. And uh, it's going to be fun to, to get it right. It's going to be an imaginative creative project that we get to do with friends. Exactly. Speaking of that, we got to talk about something, but you guys can't listen to it. It's a secret. So... <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been uh, very nice for me to talk to an old friend of mine about stuff that I like to talk about. Um, folks, you know how to hit us up. Uh, it's at Highlands Bunker on Twitter. It's uh, Highl- the Highlands Bunker at Patreon.com. Here's what's coming up soon. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mark Paul. We're going to be talking to, oh, 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 everyone. The big Kathy v. Kathy uh, Supreme Court case coming up in September we're going to be doing a full we're doing full coverage probably for patrons only you probably should get your patronage now to listen to it but you know how to do that you know how to do that on patreon.com Michael thank you we have another thing to talk about but they can't listen to it left is best